Welcome to Australian Hiker. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 73 of the Australian Hiker podcast, and this week's episode is titled A Journey Towards Ultralight Revisited. In November of 2016, when we launched the Australian Hiker blog and podcast, one of the first articles that I wrote was A Journey Towards Ultralight, and along with that, we released the podcast episode two of the same name. Now, this article and podcast discussed the concepts behind ultralight hiking and my reasoning for trying to lighten my load as much as I could to become an ultralight hiker. It's now been 18 months, and in this podcast, we revisit this journey just prior to me commencing a 1,000-kilometre, five- to six-week hike on the Bibbulmun Track in Western Australia to see how my goal of reducing weight has gone and whether my view of ultralight hiking is still the same. For those not familiar with the concept of ultralight hiking, we'll go through and do a bit of a recap. Now, the main aim of ultralight hiking is to minimise the weight that you carry on a hike to reduce the stress on your body and to increase your enjoyment. It has the, the possibility of allowing you to walk for longer and or farther, if that's your aim. There are a number of key principles associated with ultralight hiking, um, and if you listen to episode two, uh, we'll go through and fill out the details of that. However, the term that you most often come across is base weight. Now, base weight is the weight of your pack minus the food and the water, uh, what's classed as consumables. And it's categorized into three levels. We've got lightweight hiking, which is a base weight of nine kilos or less. Ultralight hiking, which is a base weight of four and a half kilos or less. Or super ultralight hiking, which is a base weight of 2.3 kilos or less. Now, I originally discovered ultralight hiking about four years ago uh, when, for me, I was seriously considering hiking the Pacific Crest Trail in the USA. And at that time, I became immersed in blogs, podcasts, and any bit of information I could find on that trail, including the concept of ultralight hiking. I think that was a bit more about being obsessed <laughs> rather than immersed. Now, the event that finally pushed me in this direction was... Um, doing a fairly arduous three-day hike in the wilderness area on the edge of Canberra, the Bimbury Wilderness. And at that time, we had a 19.5 kilo pack made up of a lot of luxuries and also a lot of water. Um, and even though water is not included in base weight, it was a very heavy pack. Uh, and the reason for carrying so much water was we were in a drought and there was some concern about availability of water with where we were going. And this really, this hike in particular really made me question what I was doing. And this hike is what began me on my goal to become an ultralight hiker. So over the last 18 months, um, I've been progressively trying to light my load and head towards this goal. Uh, and this is a journey that's still ongoing. In the last 18 months, what I've gone through and done is to analyze every piece of equipment that I've actually owned. And I've gone through a series of um, three step, three main steps um, to look at what we're going through and doing. So the first step I looked at is, do I really need to carry it? 
uh, and I looked at every piece of equipment I owned uh, and carried. And unsurprisingly, it was actually quite a lot. There were a lot of what you class as luxury items, things that were nice to have but not essential. So as an example, I used to carry a full pot set just in case, uh, but typically only use one pot at a time. I'd also carry two changes of clothing for long hikes as well, rather than just the one. So now, after going through and revisiting all my equipment, uh, and as an example here, um, I carry two pairs of socks, one I'm wearing and one spare. Uh, and the same goes for underwear. One I'm wearing, one spare, and with both the socks and the um, underpants, I can wash them and have them dried, ready to swap over again the next day. The second step for me was carrying the lightest equipment available. Now, this was the um, basically one of the hardest things for me because the equipment that I owned was perfectly good. It was in good condition, uh, was and still is in good condition, and is likely to last for quite a few years. Um, so it was a matter of mindset in this case um, where looking at the gear I had and thinking, okay, I am... Um, I need to try and drop weight. The only way I can do that is uh, after I've decided whether I'm going to carry it or not is to actually replace some of the heavier pieces. Um, and as a result, I now own multiple pieces of equipment uh, and will change out of my gear depending on the type of hiking I'm doing. So as an example here, uh, when I do single overnight hikes, I'll use an ultralight hexamine stove and pot, uh, which is roughly about... 300 grams lighter than my usual long-distance hiking um, cooking set. Also on overnight hikes, where I know I won't be doing any night hiking, I'll carry a ultra, an ultralight headlamp, and that's the, the Petzl E-Light, which weighs around 27 grams. If I know, as an, as an example, that I am planning on doing um, a reasonable amount of night hiking, and I want to have a good, clear visibility on the trail with a good quality light... I'll actually go for a different torch, uh, and the one I've opted for this time um, weighs around about 100 grams. Third example here is I'm a warm sleeper, so I tend to carry a fairly lightweight sleeping bag that now matches the temperatures uh, that I'm going to be sleeping in, uh, whereas previously I had a, a bag that did everything from summer to winter, um, and that bag actually was quite comfortable. In fact, it was quite toasty and warm down to minus 6 degrees, um, but um, I don't actually hike uh, that often in those sort of temperatures. So I'll usually end up turning it into a quilt. Um, and as a result, I'm carrying with my heavier grade, warmer sleeping bag, I'm carrying about an extra 500 grams. So my new lighter weight sleeping bag, um, 780 grams, and there are still lighter versions available on the market as well. So... It's one of these sort of things with um, buying or replacing lightweight equipment. And, and unfortunately, um, it tends to be that the technology involved to get the weight down in most cases means that they're also expensive pieces of equipment. So as an example, if you look at the high-grade uh, double-walled tents on the market, um, the ones that are very lightweight also happen to be the more expensive ones available on the market. You can certainly buy much cheaper, but also heavier uh, tents. And this comes down to a, a, a compromise somewhere on durability, weight, and cost. 
And typically, the old adage in hiking is you're going to have two of those, you really can't have three. So buying the lightest weight two-person tent on the market, uh, double-walled tent, um, is typically going to be one of the more expensive tents as well. The third step I went through and looked at was, can I multi-purpose it? Now, I no longer carry certain pieces of equipment when I'm a hike, and there's a couple of obvious ones here that aren't necessarily um, large weight um, impacts on what I'm carrying, but all this adds up. And my obvious examples here are my clothing bag, uh, which stores my um, additional underwear, socks, um, my coat if it's not being used, um, my long johns, and a pair of shorts, which I can swap out of when I'm washing my other gear, or if I just decide that it's a bit hot and I want to want to cool myself down a bit. Um, so those clothes inside that bag now become my pillow. Uh, and Jill uses the same mechanism as well. I also don't use a hat during wintertime anymore. Um, I tend to use two buffs, which I'll wear year-round. And with rare exceptions, um, I might cut down to one. But even in summertime, I tend to have something around my neck to protect my neck. Uh, and not having much hair, I'll often have a buff on underneath a hat during summertime just to provide a bit of extra protection from sunburn. So Tim's talked about um, the three steps he's uh, gone through in terms of working out whether he needs to carry something, uh, what's the lightest possible uh, equipment available, and uh, can he multi-purpose it. I, I probably focused a little bit more on the multi-purposing and um, the removal of the unnecessary things. I probably haven't gone too much into um, finding the lightest of this, that and something else. Um, though if it's noticeably heavy, I won't, um, I won't use it. But certainly I've gotten greater benefit out of multi-use. Um, I'm probably still in that higher category of lightweight. Um, not quite ultra light and probably won't get there, but certainly with things like uh, layering and, you know, using my rain jacket as a, 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 a wind stop um, over the top of warm clothes and so on, um, that tends to serve me, I think, quite well. Okay, so based on the discussions we've gone through and had, and Jill mentioned she sort of falls into the, the, the lightweight category rather than the ultralight category, I tend to be very similar. So um, am I or have I reached ultralight status? Really the answer to this is straight out no, uh, and I'll say not yet. Um, but based on the definitions we talked about it in the introduction to this podcast, uh, my base weight uh, is just under 7.99 kilos, so I'm, you know, I'm well over a kilo into that lightweight sort of category, but I'm still sort of around about um, three and a half kilos off being ultralight. The other thing, because I'm doing blogging and podcasting, if I'm actually carrying that technology with me, uh, which I will be on my upcoming Bibbleman track hike, um, my base weight then shifts to around about just a little bit over 9.1 kilos. Now, I'm still doing a bit of trimming. I'm still doing a bit of working to see if I can get that down a bit more. Um, but it's purely because these normally aren't pieces of equipment the majority of hikers tend to carry. I mean, most hikers don't carry 
a small tablet, um, a digital recorder, uh, and all the other electronics that goes to actually producing podcasts while you're actually out hiking. Um, and for me, this this is sort of pushed. You know, it, it really has pushed me up over that sort of limit uh, on some hikes. So it really depends on whether I'm carrying this equipment or not, whether I fall into the, the lightweight category or not. Now, this base weight gear consists of equipment that will keep me safe in a comfortable range of conditions. And that's ranging from around about minus 7 degrees Celsius all the way through to 30 degrees plus over multiple days. I could actually say, well, look, I'm only going hiking for two days. I know the temperature is going to be a minimum of 10 or 15 degrees, so I don't need a down jacket. Um, I can probably skip a few other bits of clothing and additional um, warm layer because I know I'm not going to get that cold, and it could trim it down. But in the case of uh, my Bibbleman track hike, I'm going to be on the trail for five to six weeks. Uh, I really can't just pop off home or ask someone to drop something in. I could always, if I need to, go to a store and buy something, um, but I'm better off working on what the worst case possible situations are, and that may not be minus seven, uh, but I mean, certainly I am expecting to get colder conditions, uh, and I do like to have a change of clothing. So um, having a slightly heavier weight top and a lighter weight top gives me a bit more versatility. So as Jill said, good layering system works well. Now, while I have a, a bit of weight to shave and I'll continue to drop pack weight over the next 12 to 18 months, I don't actually know if I'll ever get to that magic number of 4.5 kilos. And to be honest, I'm not sure if I actually want to. So I've actually chosen specific equipment um, because it is the lightest. So as an example here, I do use hiking poles. Um, I have issues with my knees going down a hill and hiking poles makes a huge difference with comfort for me. So I could have actually chosen not to use hiking poles and that would have saved me a bit of weight. Um, instead, I opted for a very lightweight pair of hiking poles, which are 295 grams for my size. Uh, but that, that is, as I said, I, I could have saved almost 300 grams in weight by choosing not to use those poles. Uh, but, uh, uh, but that would have, I would have suffered a bit coming down the hills. And I know it's just for the sake of 300 grams, I'm actually going to carry those poles. I've also specifically chosen gear, um, not just because it's the lightest I can find, but I've also chosen gear for being what it does, and I've looked at weight as a secondary consideration. So an example here is just recently I bought a Garmin InReach Explorer Plus, which weighs 265 grams. Now that is actually lighter than my little small Garmin GPS and personal locator beacon, which it will replace. So I have to save weight there. I could have actually gone for a Garmin Mini, which has just newly been released onto the market in the last month or so, uh, and that would have saved me another 165 grams. But again, this comes back from my perspective, from the technology I'm carrying and the reason I'm carrying it. Um, I am podcasting, I am blogging, and as a result, I need uh, to have the ability for um, the longest stretch where I'm going to be away from a power source of anything up to seven days, uh, I need to make sure that things last. Um, so I like to have things standalone uh, that don't necessarily rely on power sources or integrating with another piece of technology like my phone. So as I said, while I could have gone for the Garmin Mini and saved a bit of weight, 
Um, my personal preference after doing the research was going for the, the heavier Garmin Explorer uh, SE+. And there are other pieces of equipment that fall into that sort of category as well. Um, I have gone for, uh, as an example here, I carry a small uh, plastic massage ball, weighs 53 grams. Uh, I could have actually used a golf ball here or could have chosen not to carry anything at all. But I know from personal experience with doing long days, multiple days, my muscles tend to lock up and just having something to roll the, the knots and kinks out for the sake of 53 grams is really worth it. One of the things I do to guide me is that um, at the end of um, every multi-day hike, I think about what I used and what I didn't really need. And um, if if I find that I get to... Uh, the end of a hike and I've utilized everything that's in my pack. I feel pretty good about that and, and don't feel as if I've, uh, wasted, uh, any effort carrying unnecessary things around. One term I haven't discussed yet is SUL. And I don't mean super ultralight, which is what that is, what, uh, that is also short for. There's another definition that also, um, comes out as SUL and that's stupid ultralight. <laughs> Uh, and this is a term that has been around for a number of years, but it's one that I only came across quite recently um, when doing some research on the internet. Um, and the concept here is that you become so focused on carrying a minimum amount of weight that you sacrifice comfort and even safety to reduce the weight. So the concept of super ultra light, getting down to 2.3 kilos, which includes your pack sleep system, uh, cook system, um, and uh, any spare clothing and anything else you're carrying, that's doing it pretty hard. And I think for most people, if unless you're hiking in very warm, stable conditions where you know exactly what the weather's doing, it's going to be a hard ask. Um, so trying to get the weight down for no reason is really the wrong reason when you're talking about ultralight. Um, now I'll give you an example through here. Um, I quite often will go hiking in the Bimbury wilderness, which is just to the west of Canberra. And this is where part of the Australian Alps walking track goes through. Uh, this is a remote area. Uh, and just before Christmas on 2016, I did a 54 kilometer one day hike. I didn't see anybody the entire day from parking the car to walking to Mount Bimbury and returning again, which means that for at least part of the day, I was 20-odd kilometres away from any other person in that area. Now, I'm a reasonably competent hiker. I am reasonably safe when I go hiking, but accidents do happen. I could trip. The area I was going through can only be described as snake-infested. I came across four snakes in a very short period, um, they, at this time of the year, the year that I was there, they were everywhere. Uh, and things can happen that are outside your control. You can roll and twist an ankle and that doesn't matter how experienced you are. Accidents do happen. So in that situation, I was carrying an emergency beacon. I could have chosen to leave that at home and saved 115 to about 200 grams of weight. Um, but you know, by choosing to do that, had something have happened, um, it would have been more a matter of Jill thinking, well, Tim's two, three, four hours overdue. Do I start calling the emergency services or is he just running late? 
um, and have it, something actually happened to me, I basically would have had to wait until somebody came out and picked me up. And as it was on that uh, occasion, um, there was a big storm where I was and uh, expected it to be a big storm where he was. Uh, uh, apparently it was quite sheltered where he was, but uh, uh, we were being blown apart. So there was enough to worry about anyway, um, and particularly with the um, the satellite equipment that he had that, you know, gave, gave me um, three 20-minute um, updates within the space of about three minutes. Um, so there was a bit of a bit of a lag happening there. Um, there was already enough to worry about, I think. So again, that's that's probably an extreme circumstance, but I mean, certainly choosing not to carry equipment just because you want to get your weight down um, is the wrong reason for trying to lighten your load. Look at what you're actually carrying, choose the right equipment for the circumstances you're going to be hiking in, and if you can reduce your weight, by all means, go through and do it. But in the, in the circumstance I just went through and described, had somebody had to come out and find me and potentially rescue me, had something have gone wrong... Rescue situations put the rescuers potentially in danger if the conditions aren't good. So you want to try and minimise the risk of that happening, and certainly in that circumstance, carrying a beacon, particularly when you're solo hiking, hiking really is is critical. It's not an option. And as I've said, I've had people say to me, I'm an experienced hiker, nothing's going to go wrong. That's lovely. I will never make that claim. Things can happen outside of everybody's control, and it doesn't matter how experienced you are. They just things can just go wrong. As a final wrap up on this, I encourage everyone to aspire to being an ultralight hiker or to at least look at what they're carrying and see if they can either remove it or if they're purchasing new equipment, look at what the options are. Uh, my certainly my pick when buying equipment is to buy things that fit and are comfortable and do what you want it to do. But then look at saying, well, okay, it does all that. Now I can go through and reduce the weight. What are my options? There's going to be a budgetary restriction here. Everyone has a budget of some sort. And it may be that you can't afford the lightest on the market, even though that's what you want. And recently, I just bought a new synthetic um, uh, insulation jacket um, because I didn't want to run the risk of being on the trail for five to six weeks with a down jacket and getting soaked and also getting cold. Uh, and in this case here, there was a really nice jacket that I wanted. Uh, it was actually more expensive than the one I bought, um, and it was marginally lighter in weight, uh, but it just didn't feel very comfortable compared to the one I ended up buying that was cheaper. So uh, in that case there, I opted for a slightly heavier jacket because comfort and fit are the best priorities here. I'll continue to trim weight over the coming few years. Uh, I know there are areas I can drop weight on, um, but it's not a matter of dropping 500 grams here and there. I've done all the big drops now. It's more a matter of dropping tens of grams or grams even uh, across the range to try and minimize uh, the weight I'm carrying. Now, I'm not fussed whether I actually reach ultralight status or not. It's a goal. It's an aim. And hopefully if I get there, that'll be good. But I'm not too worried if I don't. So my aim, as I said, for this is I still intend on doing what I'm going to be doing physically uh, as long as I possibly can. And this means that as I get older, uh, my body starts to cope with niggles and injuries from the past. I need to reduce the stress on my body. 
and and I think this is one of the things for a lot of new hikers. Um, they load themselves up with big, heavy gear that's uncomfortable, and then they don't enjoy the experience and they don't keep on going. So um, it, this is the concept of ultralight hike, whether you seriously want to get that low in weight, is something that everyone should consider. And for me, the journey still continues. Okay, I hope you've enjoyed our revisitation on a journey towards ultralight hiking. Um, and I hope everyone is slowly trying to minimize and reduce the weight they carry in their own packs to increase the enjoyment they have while they're out hiking. In next week's episode, we're going to be going through and talking to a representative from the Bibbleman Track Foundation in Western Australia, uh, a bit about the history and what we can expect or what I can expect from my tri upcoming trip on the Bibbleman Track in a few weeks' time. The week after is actually when I start my hike, uh, and as I said, it will be going weekly episodes from the trail. As always, this podcast can be listened to through Australian Hiker website, through SoundCloud, through Stitcher Radio, and through iTunes. If you have the chance, please go through and rate us on iTunes and give us a five-star rating to help get the message out there. That's all for me. Bye from now. And bye from me.